I'm Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And I'm Phil Wolf of the Nefris Initiative. You're listening to Snakes and Stogies. The only podcast dedicated to fine tobacco. All things reptile related. And the people who love them. As part of the Repetoculture Network. Live. Live from the underground. Look at that Hawaiian shirt. It ain't even Aloha Friday. That's all he wears anymore since Daytona. I love I know. it. <laughs> actually, this is for those of you who can actually see me, this is what they call Aloha Uzi. So oh yeah, I forgot Uzi. about that. Oh yeah. All right, Tony Fontana. <laughs> How's everybody doing? A lot of people, yeah, we're we're a few <laughs> minutes late. Um, we'll just blame Phil as we always do. Yeah, that's fine. I'll take it. So we're on Phil time. Yeah, that's right. See, I mean, when you're wearing a shirt like that, everyone's on Phil time. Yeah. That's a that's a man that is in no hurry. South his Florida, house, his, baby. His house could be on fire. He's just gonna be walking out casually, the drink in his hand. Yeah, so. actually, but he is always in a rush, and it makes it even funnier. It is true. I have arguably the worst time management skills of any human in our community. <laughs> well, this is Snakes and Stogies, episode 139. Cray Cray. 139, brought to you by the fine people, the Pacific Northwest, the Gendra, the Puget Sound Pythons, as well as blackboxcages.com. Check them out. Facebook, Instagram, blackboxcages.com. They're awesome. And they I are. Just burnt, I just burned some mustache hair. We heard it. I heard like that little Did like. You? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Billy, save me. Oh, God. With cup condensation. <laughs> All right. So this is Snake Zogies. Tonight we are joined by Billy Hunt of Ubami Reptiles and Clay from is it Tampa Snakes, right? Did I say that Tampa right? Snakes. Tampa Snakes. Sorry, man. I didn't want to. I didn't want to butcher it. Uh, but we're gonna have a fun show. We're gonna talk about some are. Morelia action in the Sunshine State. Um. So real quick, before we get into it, we're doing something a little special this evening. We're giving away one of these THN beanies. Tis the season. If you're in the chat. Uh. Guess a number between one and fifty. Closest person. Price is right rules. Closes without going over. Wins this bad boy. US only. Sorry, Scott. Do we want to give it we're at the two minute, we're at the three minute mark. Do we want to give it to like the eight or ten minute mark just to see if some people get in here? Or you want to just do it right now? Well, wait a second. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Chris just nailed it Man. right all the way. It's 36. Chris just hit it. <laughs> all right oh, so chris there it is when's the meaning cool <laughs> <laughs> that was easy chris yeah. trippy all right oh my send me your um address and stuff in facebook instagram whatever and uh i'll get it out so well that was fun all right 
I knew we should have like waited a little while longer to like build up some anticipation. It's not rigged. I, first, I thought I was like, wait a second. It's like, did he see my notepad? Well, <laughs> meanwhile, you, you you told me that I was going to pick the number, and then right before you never we, did. Well, bef- I figured we would do it live. Oh. And then you're like, okay. here's the notepad. It's thirty six. Okay. All right. Well. That's all right. Cool. <laughs> We're well, off to Johnny a rough start. Back. Oh, yeah, he is. He just got married recently. Congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah, congrats, John. <clears throat> so, everyone, what's new? Um, more plumbing issues at my house. So, that was fun oh. over the weekend. Um... Sold some snakes, got some snakes for sale still, some corns, a couple of thorn scrubs. Hit me up. Check out my Morph Market page. Delicious. Clay and Billy, you guys just got back from Tinley. You want to give us a synopsis? Yeah, go ahead, Clay. Goodness. Um, It was fun. I think the nightlife there was it was different than Daytona. Um, in some ways, better. I think, I think it was simpler. It felt simpler than Daytona, just hanging out, um, smaller area, um, less debaucherous. But, um, yeah, there, I met a lot of people that I, I didn't expect to meet. Um, so, but uh, definitely great networking. I feel like I should have been there last year. Um, so. Try telling you, man. You were, yeah, right. you were you were posting a lot of pictures of a lot of a lot of folks that weren't at Daytona. Yeah. yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, that's Any what's cool, cool about that show. show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I got to see um uh, Mr. Paris himself and sit next to him and pick his brain a little bit and bought a snake from him unexpectedly. <laughs> That's cool. Are you at liberty to say what it was? Um, sure. Yeah, it was a, a German lion uh, jungle female. Excellent. I was lucky to be in the right place, at the right time. I think. Nice. It's a way to do it, man. It's why you go. You know. Yeah, did you guys drive up there? Or did you fly? <clears throat> I flew. Oh, okay. Go ahead, Billy. Uh. So I I zoned out. Sorry. <laughs> He's still uh he hasn't got any sleep yet, probably. Yeah. He drove. Well, Clay, did you bring the whole entourage with you as you do in Daytona, or did you fly solo? Uh no, no I just came with uh with Emily this time. Right on. Uh, yeah, she liked it. It's just it's different, you know, it's you can't really explain it to people. It's just you have to go, and then you can compare it to Daytona and see what we're talking about. Yeah, and everyone seems to tell me that it's it's more vendors, it's a wider assortment of animals, and it's 100% more business than fun, like, partying like Daytona is. I think we drink more shots than we did in Daytona. I don't know about you, Billy, but I did. <laughs> Yeah, I you you definitely gave me more shots than I was anticipating having. Finally someone got him back. <laughs> well, I was still good. 
it's definitely still good. But. Why do you think that show is the way it is in comparison to Daytona, though? For people that have not gone, like myself. It's like the Ch Chicago vibe. They, um, I don't know. It felt like fall there too. I, I don't know. It just it felt more, felt different. Um, the like Daytona is more um, a little more sprawled. The like the whole show in general. Mm -hmm. This was more. Um, you're you're gonna rub shoulders with everyone, and I think I saw some feedback about that. Walking through the aisles and everything is very difficult sometimes to get through. Like a like a small busy marketplace, but. What were you gonna say, Billy? Uh, it's just that's one of the big things is uh, that Daytona is definitely more spread out. It's more, I want to say, there's a more relaxed feel to it. Uh, like everyone I've talked to, you know, it's kind of a joke thing. I'm like, Daytona's the party show, Tinley's the business show, you know, and there's there's a lot of truth to that. Uh, and then it's cool for me personally because since I've been shows here locally in Florida, it gives me a chance to meet and see other breeders and, you know, different species that we don't usually see down here. And, uh, you know, nothing against the guys here. It's just when you see the same vendors over and over, it's, you know, mm -hmm. nice to get out and see different things. And then, you know, if there's species that you're looking for that nobody around here really has most of the time, then, uh, you know, you can network with those guys too in person. So. They, uh, just overall, right. it's a good time. I <clears throat> I suggest just going to both shows. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty awesome, man. And uh, Clay, have you been out to any of the West West Coast shows? Like, uh, what is it, Pomona or any of them? No, nope, I want to though. Um, yeah, it's it's on my list. I was looking at one maybe this summer coming up, but um, when I get out there, I'll finally get a chance to see Brandon Wheeler's stuff. He nice. just, I don't know if you guys saw his outdoor diamond enclosure, but I saw that and I was like, whoa. So I'd like to see that in person. Nice. Very cool. It's actually Scott. funny you mentioned that because our, our good friend Sean, uh, uh, MP Cages and Exotics, he's in the group chat right now. He messaged me earlier. He's like, you guys better talk about diamond pythons. There better be a lot of diamond talk tonight. Otherwise, I'm not. He's like, I'm missing Monday Night Football for this, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so we definitely have to touch base on diamond stuff later. Yeah, Scott asked about uh, are there any other shows? Do you have any? Do any shows after other than Hamburg have venomous uh, like the European shows? There's a few now, so there's like that Midwest Venom Fest one, which I think is almost predominantly venomous from what I've seen. Uh, and then there's a few, but nothing I think to the like the level of what you see with uh, Hamburg and some of the big European shows. Yeah, there's uh, there's one or two smaller shows in Texas that have some pretty good venomous. And then you've got Hamburg, Pennsylvania. And then, honestly, Columbia, South Carolina used to be, like, the Southeast Venomous show. I don't know if it still is. I haven't been in a few years. It's not. But it's not. <clears throat> no. Last, it's been a couple years since I went. Last time, it was pretty underwhelming. Saw a really nice Clarecus, though. Like, one of the nicest I've probably ever seen. Nice. Very cool. Yeah, I just think that, you know, seeing pictures from, uh, you know, Houghton and from mm -hmm. International Snake Day and, 
it's it's a different it's completely different like even the way that they do their deli cups like so many people in the united states speaking of venomous at shows it's usually a deli container with a paper towel or some sphagnum moss and it has black or red electrical tape around the rim to secure it it'll have a label that has you know scientific name whatever and then that deli cup is in another case right and then nipper sends me photos from international snake day and it's the same deli inside of a display case but each deli has different substrate that's catered to that individual animal and they put little pieces of of naturalistic plant leaves and little baby succulents for the desert species and it's not just it it's almost like a micro display they really are selling it over there you know and it just goes back to that that european ideology of more vivarium opposed to just you know keeping it clean and sterile it's very interesting to me Well, so was that uh, was that jungle the only thing you got in in Tinley? Yeah, that's all I got. Billy um, also got um, a pair, I think. Yeah, Billy came yeah. in with a handful of things, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, I ended up with well, I got that pair from Andrew. Is probably at least six, seven months ago, and uh, shipping just kept not working out with my schedule and his schedule and weather and all that. Finally got to the point. I was like, "Hey, if you're going to Tinley, just bring them. We'll just <laughs> we'll do it there." Uh, I got that, uh, and I got a normal coastal from Kohler. Uh, that's really nice, and I'm I'm really happy to get that one. It's doesn't have any red in its lineage or anything like that. So uh, just cool to see how that's going to work out in the projects I have planned for it. And then I think I got five Chinese beauties. Really wanted to get into those. So since Larry Keller was there, uh, I was able to go and talk to him. And, well, <laughs> he talked to me, too, and talked me into some stuff. So but I'm happy. I've wanted to get deeper into those anyway. So pretty much I like, think- well, I'm, I'm selling some stuff. I might as well go spend all that on <laughs> stuff I wanted. So. Yeah, right. I think it's funny. You were telling me that you were you billied yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah there's a whole story to it it's it's pretty funny but uh yeah i just i got a couple snakes from them and then i went back and i was like oh, i'm stupid that i didn't get the male to go with the females let me do that and then he ends up coming to the table and saying hey i got stuff i have space to display if you want to come check them out under the table so he knew <laughs> he knew that i was the one he could you know just put stuff in front of and i'd throw money at him so it's what we do, man. That's yeah. good. You got to strike when the iron's hot, you know. That's it. Yeah. So now I gotta I think I need to make some tough decisions because it's uh, I got a lot of stuff going on. So the struggle we all have, you know. Yeah. Right. So many snakes, so little time. That's it. Well, this is Clay's first time on the on snakes and stogies. And I feel like we know him and are incredibly impressed by all the work he's doing with the Morelia Complex. But, Clay, why don't you give us like a little intro about yourself for the people that are unfamiliar with Tampa Snakes? Um, I'm from Southern California originally. And 
moved out to the Atlanta area probably about, Goodness, at this point, that was 96, I think it was, when I moved out there. So I was there for about 15 years. And that's where I got into uh, Morelia uh, through uh, a girlfriend, actually, who had a uh, jungle. She had that jungle for over 10 years. And um, so very thankful for her. She, together, we ended up with a, like a wall of snakes, like green tree pythons. We did some Amazon tree yeah. boas. Uh, we had co uh, coastals. I did try a, a pair of Dumerals, uh, had no luck with them. And um, yeah, so tried a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and eventually moved out to Tampa and got out of the hobby for a little bit. Most of that was just due to logistics. I moved to, when I moved to Tampa, more cramped place for the snakes and um, tried to put them outside in an outdoor um, area that just wasn't equipped correctly. And just, I ended up getting out of it for a while and just had a pet snake for a while in a nice big enclosure um, in the house with the waterfall and that sort of thing. I just kept a pet for a while. Got back into it a few years ago. So um, mostly focused on diamonds and um, pretty jungles. And then right now I'm starting to move over to um, some pure line stuff. So um, yeah, like I'm looking at the the um, MIAs right now um, and I, you know, I picked up the um the german and so i want to play with some of that a little bit too um diamond jungle jags i've got i've got three right now um i have um what was supposed to be three females but i found out i have a male really beautiful one that um Vito produced and um he's gonna go this year i think so um and then i have uh, adam hollander um, diamond jungle jag and um an ultraviolet one this one is a zebra neon line so nice. those three are pretty interesting to me what was that awesome i think that i'll be able to yeah i think that the zebra i'm probably most excited about in terms of what crazy stuff i can get from a clutch from her so uh, i haven't decided yet which male i'm going to put her with but um, i call her chiquita um, she's pretty crazy, so I'm hoping she goes here. None have of the. Uh, have you taken a picture with the banana sticker on her? No. You need to. Bro. <laughs> you got to do it. You got to just peel a little sticker off, stick it on her, take a picture. You got to do it. Yeah. Have you not gotten any of the ocelot stuff at all? That seems like something that would sort of be in that your wheelhouse, with what I've seen at least with what you're working with. <clears throat> A little bit. Um, I mean, I believe that the um, the the Vito Gamma that I have, I think that has some Ocelot in it. So, yeah. Very cool. You said you have MIAs or you're going to get them? I have a uh, female right now, and I'm um, potentially I'm looking at possibly getting a, a pair. So if I do get a pair, though, I'm probably looking for someone who bought a pair and decided... Maybe it's not what they, they want to do. So I'm looking for something maybe, you know, a couple years old or, or more. So, All right. Cool. Very cool. See. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of that. Yeah. All the stuff you had at Daytona was freaking phenomenal. Yeah, man. Thank you. And great looking displays too, man. Very cool. It doesn't, you know, to me, it doesn't cost much more to do that. You know, you do have to buy an extra table for display and, um, so, you know, it's usually going to be 
well there that's like what 300 bucks so that's a little more but the and the displays are just kind of front end investment you know you drop a couple grand and a few raised up displays so that was the idea uh was just to go ahead and bite the bullet at the very beginning and you know while i'm um taking losses in the first few years of a business this is the time to do it you know if you're just starting this mm -hmm. that's what i was thinking and uh, but it wasn't that wasn't that expensive those aren't you know the the focus cube habitat enclosures you know they're not too expensive the shipping is expensive on them because they come pre-assembled they're already together which is mm -hmm. good because i can imagine all the plexiglass i'd break trying to screw those little screws in and stuff. <laughs> yeah oh yeah well, that's cool man that's awesome it's good to have another carpet guy down south you know can't let billy have all the fun can't have that it was uh it was funny when you realized how close he was he's literally <laughs> five minutes from my place I, I remember Billy called me and he's like, dude, that guy Clay I was talking to, the guy with the carpets. And I was like, yeah. He goes, the guy lives like a little bit away from me. So excited. Loved it. I, I could leave right now to go to the bathroom and then pop up where, in Billy's snake room right now. I could literally <laughs> just like leave for five minutes and next thing you know, I'll be there. That's how close we live. That's awesome. That's good stuff, guys. Seriously. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. You guys have meetings at the Chili's there? We should though, right? No. Damn. <laughs> no. You know, we could we could alternate Chili's because we got like three within ten minutes see. of us. I think and we have guys, three around. You don't us. appreciate any of them. <laughs> and hey, man, I've been I haven't gone to a Chili's in like a solid like three months at least. And I just brought it up to Anna Maria the other day. And the reason why is because the chilies that's closest to, to us is just so bad. It's just a bad restaurant. They never have anything in stock. The, their, their tap's broken. And it seems to be like a reoccurring thing because Matt and Jamie were telling me that the chilies by them, like they haven't had draft beer in like five months because their quote unquote tap is broken. It's like, oh, no, don't order anything with buffalo sauce because we don't have any celery. So chilies is going downhill, man. I'm, I'm afraid. I refuse to believe. Beginning it. of the end. Nope. Nope. No more crispers. <laughs> Fuck you, Hunt. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> oh, man. <clears throat> uh. So, what is keeping diamonds in Florida? Yeah. Is, mm. that, is that a struggle? So, I've heard that it's not. I've heard someone say that um, more than once that, you know, it's not possible to do that, that uh, diamonds in Florida, they basically need to be up further north. Um, I don't, obviously, I don't think that's true. Uh, Florida does get cold. Um, Billy can attest to this. We will get sometimes in the 30s uh, during winter. We definitely will have multiple days in the 40s. Let me just Boy, interject real quick that Clay and Billy's part of Florida gets those days my area because i'm almost four hours south of them it we may see okay in the city areas and suburban areas it may get into the 50s maybe the high 40s you drive out in the glades oh it'll get it'll get 35 32 but that's only like four days a year so my apologies continue <laughs> you guys have it way easier up there with them cold weather snakes but I, I think with diamonds, the key is, you know, if you can, um, 
if you can get in the upper 40s, um, several days, you know, maybe for like a week or so, uh, maybe even a couple weeks, but definitely in the 50s, low 50s, and keep them in the low 50s for a while uh, during nighttime, um, then they're fine. They'll be good. So I, I think maybe that's what, what, what people are thinking when, when they say that, that you can't keep diamonds in Florida, is they're thinking further south. But as you get up north, it gets, it gets colder. So the key is just to have those sustained nighttime, you know, cold temps. So at night, my diamonds will definitely be in the low 50s guaranteed uh, during cooling for a couple months. Um, and sometimes, you know, in the 40s. 45, no problem, 44. This year, I'm going to actually take my, uh, the diamonds that I have. So I have one right now that actually, yeah, I have one that is younger. This will be his second winter, and I'm just going to throw him in and see how it goes. I think he's, I think he's thick enough, I, but I do plan on pulling him a little bit sooner, though, um, than the adults. But I'll let him feel some of those cold temps. Is there things the thing? Is there things that you look for when debating on how cold it is? So, how do I phrase this? Like you said, you want to keep it, you know, high forties for a little bit, low fifties for the majority of it. Is there signs that the snake's giving you saying, "Hey, man, this is not working out, and maybe I should, you know, raise the temps a little," or you just kind of leave it alone? And I would never. Yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah. Okay. I have not seen that. They're okay. they're really they're very sturdy. If that's what you're asking, I've yeah, I've not, yeah, I'm just, yeah. I just I, I get weary, man, because I've had so many snakes that you know I, I I cooled stuff once and I cooled it too much and the snake never comes back right, or it just doesn't look good and I wind up getting cold feet, no pun intended, and I bring the snake back up and it winds up being fine. So I just I didn't know if there was any like visual cues that you've seen with dropping stuff that cold in our neck of the woods. Mm -mm. no no they're good they're good now you know i haven't brought them as low as 40 or below 40 ever uh, i've heard that people have done that uh, but uh, i think that 45 is my comfort level 45 44 is about where i'll stop when i see 44 that's it that's the margin for error for me and um you know i'll um try to manage that i don't want to go in below that but very cool. I mean, the, the big thing is just to make sure they get a chance to warm up at some point. You know, if you mm -hmm. have that day-night cycle, uh, you know, it's okay if they get down, you know, to the 50s or mid-40s or whatever for that night, for those few hours, and then as long as they get a chance to warm back up during the day, you know, that's – at least that's how most pythons are. Uh, don't have any experience with the diamonds, but I imagine right. they're the same. They could just handle cooler temps better. So you have to have that basking spot during the day. Um, you know, I mean, you can take a few days to two days or so, or maybe three, even where you don't have any heat, change things up a little bit, but they're, they're going to need, you want to give them that basking spot. Uh, I usually try to, I target around 83 degrees on my basking spot. I know some people may go a little more than that, but I'm somewhere around 83. So then if I go to, up to 85, then you know, I'm not worried about it. But I mean, again, I know some people go during the summer, they'll go even higher than that and say they're fine. They probably would be, but I kind of lean to the always to the cooler side. Well, but yeah, in they, the wintertime, give them that. How do they? Uh, what's the behavior with those 
lower basking temps? Like, are they always on the heat or are they just on in a couple hours a day or what are they telling you? They usually will stay as long as the heat's on, but I don't, I don't give it to them much. So we're going to get like three hours of basking in the, the dead of winter and that's it. But three hours and then boom, that's it. So if they, if it takes them a minute to figure out what's going on, then they're only, they may only get an hour. Gotcha. And are you using heat emitters for this? Are you doing lamps or what? I've, I've changed my enclosures actually um, this year. So um, I did have them in taller enclosures and, and I had um, um, a, a bulb in there and, um, and I had heat emitters as kind of a backup just in case, but um, mostly depending on the bulbs. But um, I'm 100% bulb now, and including UVB on one side. So um, my cool side on the current enclosures is going to be on the floor. When they go up, they get their choice between warm, just standard incandescent, warm UVB, and they can pick. And a lot of times they'll pick um, uh, the, the UVB area. So, And I've temped them, and they're about the same temp. So they'll be about 84, 83. Very cool. Very, very cool. Billy Jenkins wants to know, what about summer? Summer, I give them longer basking, um, basking time. So five to eight hours, somewhere in there. But I, I, I the UV light, I, um, I only leave that on for... I always have that more at about like 65% of the time. And then, then I'll leave the incandescence on when those go out and then, then they all go out and then I have a room light that stays on, um, on a 12 hour cycle during summer at this point. Yeah. But I've gone horizontal with my enclosures before I had them for these really, these home, these interesting looking homemade vertical enclosures that were six feet tall and it became evident pretty quickly to me that they preferred, uh, they didn't really like climbing a lot. Um, the young ones will do that, but as they get a little older, they don't really feel, they really don't want to do that. So the, the horizontal absolutely is where it's at. Someone told me that, I can't remember who it was. May have been Scavino actually, and just talking and passing. And I think he had told me, you know what, you may want to go horizontal. And I, I started thinking about it and watching their behaviors. And I was like, wow, he's right. So when I ordered my cages from AP, that's where I went. So I actually added on um, to some of my some of my enclosures will have um, they'll be the thirty inch deep and um, but definitely the um, they're all pretty long now. That's good. That's very interesting. Have you noticed them doing like a full sprawl where like they literally use the entire surface mm -hmm. area of the bottom? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. That's awesome. And are you giving them yeah. shelves too? So they have shelves and then. They have the under the under the shelves. They have the little um, cubbies they can go into the, um, the, the RBI ones. It takes like the large hide inverts mm -hmm. it. You know, yeah. It's got the so they use it. those. They absolutely use those. Um, I've added in the, um, the the cork bark now that the um, the rounds really long rounds now that I got in Daytona, and mm -hmm. they use those too. Although they prefer the um, those inverted hides more. So I, I have one large female that will use the the rounds, uh, but she's she's probably too big 
really to be comfortable in um, in the large um, hide. So yeah, she'll go inside the the cork bark, or during the daytime she'll she'll lay all the way across it, her whole body. Wow, so. very cool. Do you put substrate in the upside down hides? Mm-hmm. Okay, no, just... I haven't thought about that. Yeah, I maybe I should. Yeah, because I know some of them. So like a lot of my local pet shops, they'll get the the black plastic hides that they have the same footprint, but there some of them are different materials. Some of them are more. Uh, I don't want to say vinyl-y, but they have different textures to them. And it's clear like some are made in India, some are made in Taiwan. And I've noticed that there's different depths. Well, I guess it would be height because it's supposed to be right side up, you know, and they have different heights to them because I've tried to pack them full of, you know, swag and some cocoa husk or whatever. And you almost you can't put too much because when the snake goes in there, it almost displaces it out because mm-hmm. it's not it doesn't have enough of a substrate dam when you've inverted the hide. So I didn't know if if how deep your hides that you had on the tracks, you know what I mean? If that makes sense. Yeah, they're they're the standard. Uh, okay. But I maybe I should get into three D printing, um, or or find someone who does custom three D printing. Because Billy, I, Billy knows some people. A deep hide. Um, yeah, with the, one. <laughs> yeah, with the same width. If you can, if I can get them deeper, that would be definitely ideal. Yeah. Yeah, I've also thought about, you know, Billy's got some amazing 3D printed arboreal hides. And Billy, yours have the the, the birdhouse hole and it has like a yeah. trap door that you can put in, right? Uh, there's no trap door. It's just a, a hole in the side and then the top has a hinge on it. So oh, I that's right. To, that's right. I can get to it. Yeah. So it's on a track that I can take the hide out if they're in it to make things easier. Like a trap box, everybody. basically. Basically, I just don't have a, a little door to close it off. Yeah, just use your hand, you know. The uh, What I was going to say is, thinking of the black hides that are inverted, uh, I wonder if you had a, a deeper substrate dam, a deeper substrate dam, excuse me, you would obviously want the hole, the entrance hole, to be towards the, the top of the inverted hide, or the bottom of the hide, right? But on Bill, Billy, on yours, is your entry hole still at the top of the hide, or is it lower down on it? Uh, they're, it's about midway. It's not, okay. uh, yeah, just depending on, cause I have the different sizes and they're all just, it's all about midway just to make it easier. Yeah. Uh, but I also put spag in them and I kind of try to emulate, you know, like a humid type of hide inside of, you know, a tree hollow or something like that. Cause naturally it's going to be a little more humid in those situations. So, so I was trying to mimic with those hides. Yeah. I, actually I had just an saw... idea that, that made me think so with the Aggie cage, it has a shelf. And if there was a way, I had thought about taking some of that um, like coconut fiber basket liner and having it so that it is like acts like a curtain over that shelf so that there's yeah. like a separate wall. But I think it would be just as easy for, for Jen and Clint to like find some way to make like a lock and key kind of thing so it slides in. Like you have a pane that slides in with a door either you know at the top or at the bottom for whatever you're keeping it in. And then you have a separate like compartment that you can easily take out and they can still use that space back there and have like a little secluded area. Yeah, I actually just saw a guy on Instagram. I'll send you guys the link. I can't remember the, the guy's name, but uh, he does a lot of tree monitor stuff and he's mm-hmm. really utilizing those uh, uh, orchid basket liners. And basically he's made like a 3D printed caddy that you just put the, the bulb for the orchid basket in it. And it makes its own hide out of the orchid 
carpet hmm. or whatever you want to call it. I, forgive me for not knowing what it's actually called, but I thought that was super interesting. Uh, I imagine guys like us that have these arboreal and semi-arboreal animals could totally utilize that, especially in PVC in the PVC world. Uh, I was actually looking at another guy that took, uh, basically we we're talking about like Billy's hide boxes, these arboreal hides and, you know, Clay's using the inverted black plastic ones. What he did was, you guys know on an on a old school wooden birdhouse, it's got the hole and it has like a little stick coming out the front for the bird to perch on. But basically, took wooden screw on dowels and screwed them in so that there was that little bird house bird perch on there. So that way the snake could like get a chin up on it. And that way you didn't have to have some kind of, you know, terrain that escalates up to the hide. It literally, as long as the snake could periscope up enough, it could get a chin up on that little peg and then work its way into the hole, which I thought was really cool. Mm-hmm. That's a good idea. Yeah. Or one of those manzanita perches I use for the rhinos. Yeah. Dude, man, is, Manzanita is awesome. <clears throat> so how many diamonds do you have right now that you're putting together? How many am I putting together like for, for the season or in yeah. general? How many do I have? No, no this, one, this season. Two, this season. Three. I have three three pairings I'm looking at. One of them, the, the female that I'm most excited about, um, has some health issues right now. So it broke its jaw and I told the vets and I went to two, three different vets, three, one of them was an emergency. Then I had my regular vet and then I gave up on him and went to, I tried someone else and bottom line, I finally said, will you please x-ray this snake's mouth? The snake cannot have permanent mouth rot, you know, you know, we're on the fifth round of antibiotics going on the sixth round and my husbandry is fine. All the other snakes are fine. There's something wrong with my snake. And the, the way it was holding its head, I have pictures. It's it's pretty gruesome. But I said the way it's, and then after it eats, you know, it its mouth would be open. I don't know how much experience you have with this or if anyone listening does, but um, it's, man, I didn't want to second guess the vets in front of them, but it's like, something is not, Something has to give here. Yeah. So I finally, the last, uh, this was two weeks ago, I got her to um, x-ray the, actually, no, this was last week, uh, x-ray the um, uh, the snake's skull. And sure enough, she was like, okay, I see like a fracture on one side. She were right. And she actually taped, she put a, a taped muzzle on the snake. So I, it's like an early Halloween costume. Interesting. Like a mummy. mummy. Anyway, so I'm I'm in, I'm struggling with that right now. So we'll see, because you know they do that. They close the snake's mouth to let the jaw set. Um, you know, and it, if she's getting, if she was getting infected before, then um, like this morning I went in there and I saw like bubbles coming out of her nose. Mm. So I took the tape off and I'm calling my vet, called multiple vets. I'm like, I need some antibiotics right now. I'm gonna, I'll tape the snake's mouth back up again, her head again later. But so anyway, so this is the one I was most excited about putting together this year and I still I'm actually I'm optimistic this snake is a champ this snake has been I, I gave I gave it a small rat last week bam hit it hard before the vet appointment so it wants to eat it's healthy it's strong it just has a damn broken jaw yeah crazy it's still trying to do it though so I'm pretty confident yeah. that you know if, if I don't screw it up you know by 
by not um, staying on top of, you know, the antibiotics while the jaw does set, just little things like that. If I stay on top of it, you know, we should, we should be able to put her with someone. Um, so, and then I have two others. Uh, one is uh, Todd Psychotic Exotics that um, I was lucky, to, I, I call it Laguna. Um, but she's, she's one that I think is probably going to go. And then I have one, um, Mimosa. Mimosa is going to be the more controversial one because she has some Cypress Creek in her and um, Riverbank and um, I guess DZ also. But Snake is just stupid beautiful. Nice. But, yeah, someone's like, well, there's Cypress Creek, you know. What's yeah. that? Well, I don't know. What is that? There could be like, you know, I don't, I don't know. 10%. Yeah, where do you where do you sit on that fence with that hole? I have more. The last time that, um, you know, when when the guys in NPR asked me about that, I, I was just saying, well, you know, I, I think they're fine. But now I'm probably on the fence more now than I was. I'm more reserved now. I wasn't there when all this happened. I'm new to the scene. For me to even have an opinion on it. What does that mean? You know, I, I didn't know all the breeders back then and what they were doing. And so um, what is, does it matter? Like how much does it matter if there is at this point yeah. where you've a Cypress Creek put with an SDZ, you know, and then their babies are put with a Gary Vale, you know, at one point where it's like, all right, is it, it's negligible. So I, I still kind of think of that. Like I have no problem breeding this one that has some Cypress Creek in it, but I will tell people there's Cypress Creek. So what kind of diamond do you want? Do you want one that could have some sort of impurity in it? Then yeah, it's you know, one one thirty second coastal. It's, it's yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah. You know. yeah. Hmm. Great job, Smitty. Push him right in front of the Greyhound. Why don't you? <laughs> I just want, I was just curious about his opinion about it. I don't I don't keep up with diamonds enough to really even have an opinion there but it does from I, um, everything i have seen from the outside looking in people take it way too seriously yeah, yeah. Uh, billy and i talked about before i think they look stellar man i love that look so yeah i um i just think people just should just say you know this is a cypress creek make sure they let people know if that's what yeah and you can sometimes tell sometimes some of them some of them you can kind of tell a little bit of a difference i can you can see it and um but if you put one of those Cypress Creek snakes with, you know, like I said, maybe like a um, like an SDZ or something, you can get incredible looking babies out of them. So I don't know. Again, what if there is 10% or 8% that's mm -hmm. coastal? Yeah. Okay, well, okay. Yeah. Just tell people if they're fine yeah. with it. Yeah. A lot of people are going to be fine with it. So. Yep. Yeah, I, mean, I think we'll it just is. had a conversation about this whole topic. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, What's that? Me and Phil just had a conversation about this whole topic, the whole lineage and how much does it actually matter and all that. And it pretty much comes down to what you said. Just be honest about what it is and how much you know about it. And I mean, there's only so much you can do. And at the end of the day, we're only taking somebody's word for it, you know? Right. Like, did they all come in separately and they're all separate lines? Did they all come in in the same box and got dispersed and then they were lines? Did all those diamond jungles that were out there 10, 15, 20 years ago that are nowhere to be seen now folded in? You know, you don't know. Yeah. So if you like that phenotype and that's what you're looking for and you're happy with what the breeder says that they know what it is, then 
you know, have fun with your snake in your box. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's really what it is. We should hey, do this for the snakes, not for the, the pedigree, you know? Yeah. My first carpet ever was the Diamond Jungle F1. And that thing's still alive. It's like 18 years old. So. I, I think maybe it just burns people, you know, when they, if you have one person or a small group of people who are protecting the line, keeping it pure, you know, or doing their best, they're disciplined. And then you have some other people that are completely appear to not be, um, or one person who appears to not be as disciplined who's selling a bunch of snakes, calling it whatever. And, and um, I think that really rubs the disciplined people the wrong way. And I don't know how much plays into that with this thing, with the Cypress Creek. And again, I'm not, I, I don't know the background. I wasn't there on where it came from. I have read forums and tried to go back as far as I could to see what people were saying, especially what Easter says about them. And, you know, and I, I respect, respect people's opinion on that who were there, um, who've talked to people, but. Well, I, here it comes. Boom. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. Scott from Australia says there is no genetic distinction. There are no reliable there are no reliable morphology. The captive USA line traits are an artificial construct of inbreeding, not a true representation of the taxa in the wild. Thank you, Scott. You know. Yeah. We only have so many, Scott. I was gonna I say, yeah, like we don't have any. We can't, just, yeah. we can't just go out in the backyard and grab one, you know. Well, and that's that's the hard part is, you know, explaining how it's a replicatable commodity. Does that make sense? Like it's a commodity. It's there's a finite number, but you still can make more of the finite number as long as you don't mess it up. I don't know. I mean, you get so the people that are that are shopping for the pure diamonds of whichever line tickles their fancy they're going to be very specific in who they're buying this from like they're not going to go and just buy some from some random dude who's like yeah these totally have this and it's like you can clearly tell there's there's something else in the mix you know what i mean like that's a that's a specific buyer looking for for a specific thing that's almost like guys shopping for 100 original classic cars like they're not going to go buy something that doesn't have an unoriginal part in it or like they know what they want and they're going to go buy that they're not just going to go to any random guy on, on Morph Market and buy some random diamond and say, yeah, this is totally a Cypress Creek because the guy told me it was. Like, there's two separate, separate Yeah, I think, I think it comes down to the people that want the all-original righteous model and then people that just want a really cool representation piece, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I about a year ago, I, I stumbled into two yearling diamonds a pair that were just crazy looking and i know i, I text you two guys about it and i wound up talking to burke about it too and they're stellar and it was a great price and i was like this is it this is my window to get into them and it wound up being two males so i wound up not doing the deal but i had no qualms that they could have 100 percent been mutts at some point i would never know i just wanted cool looking diamonds yeah. so It's like that in Condros too. I mean, you got the other guys that very specifically want certain things, and it's like they're not going to be in the market for for mixed stuff or things that are, you know, out designer stuff that's outcrossed to Beox or whatever. Like if they're 
they have a particular lineage that they are on the hunt for, like they're not going to necessarily settle for something else. They're going to find it. So it's like, is it really, you know, with the whole thing about people saying people that are mixing these things together are ruining them. It's like kind of like the morph thing versus the locality thing with carpets. Like there's always going to be a subset of people that are locality specific. Like that's not going to go away. There's always going to be a handful of people that are into it. There's always going to be a handful of people that pursue it. And then you're going to have the more people that are going to cross that stuff in there. And it's like, if you don't want that, then you don't go shop in that group because you know what to expect. Like you're going to go to the people that you know are dedicated to that line, like Peterson stuff. Like if I'm going to want Peterson stuff, I'm going to Billy. And if Billy doesn't have them, Billy surely knows a handful of other people that have some that are, that are focused on it too. So it's like, I'm not just going to go. Yeah. I'm not just going to randomly go to, to somebody, you know, online and be like, Hey, I need Peterson's. And then, like, I'm going to go to the people that I know have it. Yeah, well put. Well put. Yeah, Scott makes a good point, too. He just comments that, you know, the majority of the USA animals got smuggled out by one individual. They all came from, you know, a range in New South Wales, and it very well could have come from a historic, you know, over uh, uh, overland gap or integrate zone between McDowell Lion and Spilota. Who knows? Yeah, Scott's really dropping some uh, some hard truths on us right now. I know, right? It's painful but enjoyable. Yeah, but also yeah, known. yeah. I, don't, I mean, he said so. The so-called peers are not 100 percent pure anyway, which I'm sure that could entirely be the case. But at the same time, it's like, how do we know that there isn't at least some purity still? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, very true. And even still, and we're talking about the pure lines and the pure localities finger quotes that we in the american hobby have choreographed so even though it may have not come from you know bobsville queensland Mm -hmm. if that's our pure animal then that's our pure animal you know so look okay scott may may live in australia with all the carpets but we here in the U.S. have never even set foot over there and know everything about them that there is no. We have the guys that wrote the books. Can the <laughs> Australians say that? Oh, Jesus. Scott's going to punch me in the face oh, the first time. Shot <laughs> fired. Oh. There's your Just book. saying. We got, two, we got two books on carpet specifically. Does, does Australia have that? I'll wait. I'm pretty sure they do. Yeah, they probably have a lot we <laughs> don't, don't know have, about. They don't have a Dr. Jewlander. Uh, well, Clay, are you keeping anything besides Morelia? Um, I have I have a Maclots Python. Nice. Um, yeah. Right now, I think that is where I'm. I think that's it, actually. So you gonna get back into Condros? <clears throat> I think it's inevitable. Yeah. But I don't. I don't think it's going to happen in the next five years. I think once I'm comfortable with all the projects uh, that I have going now, uh, I'll probably end up keeping some. Yeah. What are your thoughts on Carpondros? I mean, I have Diamond Jungle Jags, so you know, pretty snakes, a pretty snake, and if that's what you want. Then some. Some of that stuff looks pretty badass. So. I'm with you, man. I'm with you. They are cool. 
They are cool, man. They are super cool. You don't fully appreciate him either until you like see him firsthand. Oh, like, you absolutely. can look at pictures and stuff all day, but like seeing Billy's a couple years ago before mm-hmm. Carbafest and stuff, I was like, all right, that's yeah, pretty, pretty freaking badass. Super cool, especially with the jag in there. Oh, mm-hmm. Incredible, incredible. They they haven't changed at all. They're like just as yellow as they were when really? they matched. <laughs> yeah, it's that's awesome. it's insane. Billy, that one that you have that has more like green flecking to it, that does not have jag in it. The darker one? Yeah. Yeah, it's the um that's the Carpondro. This so is that one doesn't have the jag gene. Yeah, I got okay. the I think it's four jag pondros and then the one carpondro. Nice. Very cool. So I actually think I might throw the the one male jag pondro to uh, my big mystery female green tree this year and hope for uh hope for some 75 percent green tree stuff that's been the goal from day one anyway so and forgive me if this is a a super morph and i'm moron but has anyone been doing carpondra to carpondra or jagpondra to jagpondra or no not from what i've seen uh they, yeah, everybody wants me to pull them out now. Uh, not from what I've seen, but I'm not like, I'm not as in tune to the hybrid stuff as I was a couple years ago when I first produced these guys. Right. Uh, pretty much my whole, my whole idea when I decided the group I was going to keep, uh, I've always heard about, or at least I did, there are certain breeders that would go on record saying that they're sterile, it's a dead end project, you know. There's nothing else you can do with them. But then you start looking into it more and there are 75% green tree animals, 88% green tree animals. Um, So I kind of just wanted to figure out for myself. So I kept a group so I could breed them together, breed them back to green trees. Uh, Eventually I want to try to get some carpet mutations in there. Uh, But I've put, (laughs) sorry, Scott, Uh, I put a rule on myself that I don't want any animal that I produce to have more than 50% carpet blood in them because I've noticed the 75% carpet hybrids just look like carpets. And to yeah, me, it's, that kind of, it's too carpety. It's, yeah. Yeah. It takes away from it. And then, I mean, that's where I can understand where people get upset about, you know, oh, it's going to get passed off as this or passed off as that. And I get that, but I still like the project. So I'm going to uh, not, you know, just not do that. And, you know, you can only represent your stuff as best you can. You can't control what other people do. Yeah. Um, and it, Gillen so like, a good point that Jack Pondra, Jack Pondra should be 25% dead white snakes. Yeah. Does it's still the even... Jaguar gene. So, yeah, but it's, it's people still a Jag gene, had that so happen Okay. I don't think anybody's bred Jack Pondra to Jack Pondra. And honestly, I'm not sure if I'm going to do that. Um, yeah. I was fortunate and my car Pondro is a female. Nice. So I was thinking of just taking the three jag pondros and throwing the male green trees. And I was just thinking the more I had, the more chance I had to uh, to produce, you know, give me three chances instead of one. Yeah. Yeah. What, what were we saying before I cut you off, man? I'm sorry. Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> you knocked me off my, my track. No, we, we were talking about. Oh, I know. I know I was percent. Yeah. Yeah, so I say, like, I want to get different carpet mutations in there. 
Uh, for me to do that, I'm going to have to start at ground one and do a carpet to a green tree and, uh, you know, just start with 50-50s and, and then go from there and then just decide, you know, if I'm doing the recessive route or doing complete dominant or, or what, because I don't think anyone's done, at least that I can think of off the top of my head, you know, uh, zebra or granite, anything like that. I've seen caramel. Uh, yeah. Those look cool. Doesn't seem yeah, like people I, I really like strayed words. much from the from the original just carpet to chondro thing. Like no one's really gone deeper well, I, there. I think it it stems from there being kind of well, one there's the stigma behind them, uh, which you know either you like them or you don't. But you know there's guys that only like wild type and hate morphs, so I don't see it any different from that argument. Uh, mm-hmm. As long as you represent them correctly. You know, who wants to appreciate them will appreciate them. If you don't, you know, you don't. It's nothing wrong. It's just like all the other snakes, they're just more snakes in boxes. <laughs> you know, it's not as serious as some people make it out to be. We are not curing cancer, people. No, not yet. <laughs> not, what was not the, the hybrids uh, yet. What was the original carpets that you used for the, the hybrids? Were the coastals? Yeah, it was a coastal jag. Uh, just to that big green tree female i have yeah oh yeah granite carpondros would be interesting yeah i tried to go for possible pets last year and i got locks just uh didn't get any babies hmm. i mean frankly i think the the 75 carpet ones look not great i mean they look like good they look like really nice carpets they're kind of on par with the uh the gamma stuff and the neon stuff like clay has but that doesn't i mean you know why are you gonna work a project that takes two generations when you can get gamma animals and have them right away you know Mm -hmm. and you don't have to worry about the i mean the gamma stuff still technically hybrids but you know it's kind of in its own lane instead of the green tree carpet stuff roughies to green trees yes i just want to see what they look like scott if you have a picture of that can you please send it to me no one yeah, I think it's already been done and it, it didn't look great, so nobody pursued it again. I'm just super curious. I don't expect it to look very good, but <laughs> be be cool to see nonetheless. Rock chondros to regular chondros. Yeah, what was the so, hybrid name they called it? I they have don't a cool remember. name. I don't remember. No, I don't cool think name. they look cool. They didn't have the raised scales, so they, they thought it was a failure. Mm. I think that's what I remember. Of clay. Sorry, we got on a, a rant there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so outside of those possible three diamond pairings, uh, is there anything else you're planning on besides that diamond jungle? Are you doing any jungles or any other stuff that uh, you plan on putting together? So I have um, I have the, the Chiquita pairing, and I may put Chiquita with a, with a wow male. Um, I have... Um, I have the, the veto snake that um, I had to put that with a female, but I'm not sure which female yet. Yeah. So I'm still, I'm still toying with that. Some of the snakes that I got, I, I picked them up as adults. And um, initially I just kind of like a couple years ago and last year I put snakes together that were pretty, that, that were already in other collections and I didn't really mess with them. But now if I'm going to put them with some of my higher end stuff, I'm, I need to 
make sure I have a good NIDO testing process. Uh, so I've already done my first round of um, NIDO testing, but I don't want to put that really nice um, gamma with um, with a female. But I haven't noticed any problems, though, with these females, by the way. But, um, you know, never any, any symptoms of RI or anything, but I'm still just, I don't know. What's your opinion on that, you guys? Yeah, proper quarantine. You should do that for everything. Mm -hmm. You know, it's... That's pretty much a, a standard anymore, you know. It's, when you bring in new stuff, is, that's how you should do it. Yeah, I mean, for I mean, we're talking about snakes that I've had for a couple of years now. So for me, yeah, quarantine until you're is comfortable. long for a long time <laughs> until I've tested them a couple of times. It just it's how kind of I lean that direction right now. Um, but if you've had a snake for two years, three years that you got from another breeder no signs of RIs whatsoever. You wouldn't have a problem just putting it with one of your expensive snakes. Uh, absolutely. Three years. Yeah. <laughs> They're good. Okay. That's how I'm looking at it. Yeah. I, I also have, obviously I've not produced nearly as much as you guys, uh, at least not on purpose. And one thing that I've thought about is for those who have the option to do so, would it be beneficial in some regard to do that pairing that we just talked about outside of the main collection? So that way, if there, if the, let's say it's a, a, a new male that went through quarantine, showed no signs of nothing with a vintage female, you mm -hmm. pair them up in the guest bedroom, right? And you leave them, whether you separate them in the guest bedroom, you leave them in the guest bedroom. And all of a sudden that vintage female starts showing signs well, now you've still kept it away from the main. Yeah, collection. that's not a bad idea. If if that's possible, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I've actually I thought of things like that. Do you guys believe that um, that Nido is airborne? No, I I, I I personally don't. So I I, don't I do think keep my babies. Go ahead, sorry. No, no, I was just saying I don't think it's airborne. I think our cross contamination protocol is shit yeah. there you go that's what i think too yeah you know i mean and you it, think about it too like doorknobs i mean how many times have you cleaned yeah. something touched a doorknob you know i leave my door closed i mean when i'm cleaning stuff i keep it open but like i've touched the doorknob a million times after you know before washing my hands and i don't clean off the doorknob but that could be such an easy you know uh, like passing zone for that kind of stuff to go from one cage to the other, you know, I don't have any issues currently, but just there's all, there's so many small things that, that as far as fomites that yeah. just, you wouldn't, a lot of people would probably not even think of, you know, even your down to your shoes. Like I have carpet in my room, um, yeah. small stuff, you know, you're not going to be able to, unless you have a laboratory grade, um, like sanitation and, and quarantine and, equipment and stuff like that i think you're you're always going to have there's always going to be some percentage even if it's tiny of cross-contamination of things yeah yeah and like scott makes a good point you know he, he thinks it's present in water molecules that can be exhaled you know we learned that with covid you know breathing out particulates that just stick to stuff so it's all it's all possible Enigma uh, came from um, actually I picked up Enigma from a guy in Fort Myers and 
he had the paperwork and I verified that he acquired the snake from, um, from Martin Roseman. And by the way, Clay, BBQ and fit is our good friend, Sean, who's also a Morelia junkie. So awesome. Yeah. Enigma is a snake I'm thinking of, of, um, pairing this year. So I just need to figure out, like, I would love to put Enigma with Chiquita, but Chiquita's a zebra and, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't asked Martin about this or not, but that's originally what I wanted to do. But the more I think about it, you know, he talks about competing genes when you put a diamond jungle Jag, like a, like a gamma or a neon and a, um, and a pairing. So I don't know. I don't know um, if that would affect you know, the, the outcome. So I have the, the wow male for sure that I think would work out, but then I also have Enigma and Enigma is just a badass. So I'd love to put Enigma with, with someone this year. Very cool. Just so people can have some context of some of these animals. Yeah, I was I have, literally about I to say. Plays Instagram yeah, I, looking, I was just looking them up too, yeah. <laughs> That's Chiquita. It's insane. Billy, we're supposed to ask you to pronounce Chiquita. Why is that? Oh, geez. Inquiring minds want to know. Yeah, Chiquita, goodness. <laughs> that is yeah. amp. So. Yeah, Clay's got some heat over there. Dude, it's fucking radioactive. My eyes hurt. It's like staring at the sun. When you hold those snakes, they let off like a humming sound, like a straight from Chernobyl. Yeah, right. What's your you you like this rescue stuff? They do. Yeah. So so I. I operate out of the assumption that, you know, things like NIDO are not airborne, but I do at the same time keep all of my babies on the other side of the house. They have their own room and everything just in case. Um, but uh, the rescue is, um, is where I, where I work on um, reducing the, the fomite risk. So basically um, everything, the feeding tongs, um, I have I have the disposable water dishes, but I'll reuse my disposable water dishes. I don't know if any mm -hmm. of you guys do that, but but I will I'll take them and I'll spray them out. I'll spray them with the rescue, let it sit for ten minutes, usually longer than that, and then I'll rinse them off and then put them in a dishwasher that goes 160 degrees uh, for the sanitizing rinse. But yeah, nice. That's oh, Kaya. That. Kaya with the the broken head. Oh, oh okay. She's such a champ. I really feel for her. Like uh, right now, like that's that's really where my head is a lot. I'm thinking about that snake right now. I'm hoping she's okay. But that's awesome. That I believe is one of yes, Hollanders. Um, he has a gamma he calls Yoshi, and I actually went to his house and uh, picked up a couple that pair, the Wild Blaze pair I have, and this one. So this one, yeah, this this one's getting pretty big now. And it's kept all that color. Twins. Oh, it's got more color. Yeah, it's, it's it's coming into its color. Yeah. Nice. That's awesome. Billy, have you ever hatched twins? You did, didn't you? I hatched three last last year. Yeah, three sets last year. I probably probably five or six since I've been breeding. Hmm. It's more uh, it's more common than you realize. I've done it in coastals. Well, now coastals, my uh, jungle types, and 
have you noticed it from the same pairings? No, it's all been uh, different ones. I think it just happens more in Morelia than we realize. And I've heard other breeders talk about that too, that uh, they're usually good for the bigger guys. They're usually good for at least one set of season. Awesome. Look, he's got the CCTV camera going. I love it. Yeah, Clay doesn't mess around. He's got he's got good stuff and records and all that. Legit. Hey, Clay, oh, why don't you talk animal. about your uh, why don't you talk about your um your app that you use and like controlling all your temps and stuff? That was really interesting when you're going through that. Hell yeah. So I, I have um, I have more than one app, but I have the one of the so basically I have the Apple Home Kit that I use for a lot of things. It pretty much automates most things in the house, but I have something that um, called Flare. They're called Flare vents, but they're basically smart vents that I put in the rooms. So I have one. Of, I have one of those in each of my snake rooms, where um, like my diamond temp right now is set at. Um, I believe that at seventy eight. I'm about to start to cool them down now, but and it doesn't mean that the room is at seventy eight. It's not. It's it's usually cooler than that. But um, basically, what it does though is it it says that if if the room gets Hotter than 78, for sure, the AC vent kicks on. It's going to open up and let let the, any cold air that's working in the house is going to end up in that, in that room now. It just opens the vent. Um, and then uh, my jungle room is usually set around 81 um, consistently. So you can set the temperature on these things. And then as soon as it, again, if it starts to overheat, then um, it opens up. The vent opens. If my um, internet goes out, though, the vents default to open. So oh. uh, when I was at Tinley, I was kind of I was talking about how I had been freaking out because right before, essentially the night before we were getting on the plane, my um, um, my mesh internet Wi-Fi routers started acting up, and I, one of them I had to do like a restore on, and uh, I was trying to think of the implications. How can I go on this trip? for two days and have everything going haywire with my, um, with my system. So, uh, but yeah, but, um, I was able to get it fixed before we got on the plane. So that was good. Now you obviously have some kind of thermostats for the different enclosures and whatnot, but in terms of your home, your, your home AC thermostat, how does that play a factor? Like trying to think of how to phrase this. So, my snake room has one AC vent coming in from the ceiling. Mm -hmm. The thermostat for the central AC is in the hallway outside that door. And that door is perpetually closed because it's venomous and stuff. But I'm trying to think of if, if the room, if the hallway where the thermostat is hit, hit say 72 and then it gets too hot in the room and the vents open, right? Mm -hmm. But it's still not hot enough in the hallway in the in the upstairs to turn the AC on. Mm -hmm. It, it kind of negates it, does it not? Yeah, it's um, it's one tool, so it's not it's not going to it's not a whole room thermostat. Basically, it's just okay. one tool to help leverage um, your HVAC when it's there, when it's on. So if it does kick on, it'll cool the room down which is better than not having it there. So have you ever done the thing where you, where you turn your, your, you shut your vents off or, or open them in the room at different times of the year? 
Yeah, sure, sure. So this is just that. It just does it for you so you don't have to go in there and mess with it and forget, you know, accidentally forget it open or closed. Um, so I've done that quite a bit. And so this is just automates that process. Yeah. I think, I think I'm overthinking it in the sense of my, <clears throat> my hallway will be 72 and the thermostat's set to 72, but the snake room is at 83 ambient, right? Or 82 ambient. Mm -hmm. And it's not pumping anything because mm -hmm. the hallway is still 72. Does that make sense? So those vents in my scenario would probably not cool. work. So they have their own thermostat. Each vent has its own thermostat. Ah, okay. okay. Uh, they call it they call it a puck. A puck. Um, okay. They're really cheesy. They're I, I, they look like something out of a Cracker Jack box, but they work. <laughs> they do the job though. Um, okay. And, you know they'll they'll show you the temperature in the room when you walk in. You can look at it and see what the temperature is in the room. You can turn it left or right if you want to set the the set point up or down, or you can do it on your phone. I usually just do it on my phone um, if I'm going to change anything. Interesting. But, um, yeah, I'm definitely going to look into it. That's pretty cool. Not perfect, not perfect, but it just makes it so you don't have to get up on a ladder and fool with the vent. Yeah, yeah, very cool. So Lisa asked, "What is the youngest, smallest male carpet you've had successfully breed?" Uh, have you ever gotten a two-year-old male to get the job done? Yes. I think so, yeah. They're I had, surprising. I had, a, uh, I had a jungle male that was... I was feeding him... Uh, let's say, I think pups or rat pups underneath weans. He was like in the pup wean area of food. Maybe four foot long. And uh, he sired two clutches for me. So they don't have to be huge, but I want to say he was like two, three years old. I just tried it to see, and I didn't put a lot of, you know, merit into it. But yeah, he got the job done. Nice. And that was to those larger females that you have right behind you? Uh, the um, the striped jungle stuff that I have. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we got a. We got to talk about about this. Yeah, what are we so, looking at here? That's freaking cool. This is um, out in my lanai right now, empty. Okay. Um, in the summer, my lanai basically hangs out at like ninety. And this is the shade, ninety something degrees. And so this is a good idea um, in the fall. I could probably start using this now. I could use this just to let the, the snakes get some sun for sure. Uh, but I hadn't originally intended on um, having a diamond in there full time. And when I saw how hot it was getting, I just wasn't comfortable with that. Again, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, uh, but I lean to the, the side of a cooler is better. And mm -hmm. I don't have a place where I'm comfortable that the snake can get away from the heat. I don't have, this does not give me that ability. In some regions, this would probably be great. This would work fine. All you have to do, and I do have a radiant heat panel in there that can kick on. So, you know, you could just have that in there. Um, and when the snake wants to get warmer, they can go inside. That's fine. But um, 
yeah, 90, 95, 98 degrees, just, yeah, there's no way that the snake can get away from the heat. What are the dimensions of it? So you can get these on Amazon. They're like a chicken coop or something, okay. but yeah. yeah, it takes two people to lift it. So you get one person on one side, one on the other and, you know, lift up. But it's, um, it's two foot tall. So then it's probably four foot there. Um, and then you have your, the inside area has and the inside has a little divider too. Hmm. And I, I like waterproofed it. it, put silicone all in it inside to make it easier to clean in, in the, the inner area. So do you take temp readings of the difference between outside and inside the little hatch there to see what the difference is? I couldn't imagine that in my lanai, I couldn't imagine it would be much different. Like that, that solid part on the right, that's completely enclosed, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and the lid comes up too. So again, you can find this on Amazon. The, the, there's no floor on the one on Amazon because I, you have to go to Lowe's or Home Depot and get some white PVC. Um, I just put it on a table saw and cut it out and screwed it on the bottom. Nice. So, yeah, because I imagine if it's for chickens, they probably just put it straight on the ground, you know? Very cool. Now, I saw your patio screened in. Have you ever had any predators make attempts in there? No? Okay. No. No, we do. We have coyotes and everything out here. I heard them earlier. Actually, I was outside working on ATV, and I could hear coyotes yeah they're nice. here but they'll get behind the house sometimes very impressive very cool yeah scott's saying he would just put a, a shade cloth over half of it so that that might actually work but again it's kind of it gets hot in those patios real hot are you yeah. guys gonna um are you guys going to cool your snakes any later this season compared to last season? I am. I'm going to hold. I'm going to hold a minute. I'm, I'm dependent on what it does outside. Oh. That's what I go with. I don't have like a, because I just crack the window in my room. I don't go too crazy into it. It's just if it starts getting cool outside or we got a storm system coming through, I crack the window and throw stuff together and that has worked in the past but it's usually i've usually done late october early november but i am pushing it back a little bit this year i think i want to do one more good feeding before i start to empty everything out and put them together mine is dependent on whether winter actually shows up and sticks around mm -hmm. um I usually do sort of the traditional like Thanksgiving to Valentine's Day thing. So we'll see. Supposedly, we're supposed to have uh, a pretty, pretty legit winter this year. I'm hoping we do. So because that was the struggle last year was we'd have days in like late December that were in the 70s. And then we'd have a week of, you know, 50s and below. And then it jumped back up to mid 70s. And it was just yo-yoing back and forth and made made things a little frustrating but everything for the most part went so 
Well, I'll be pairing my first pythons ever this year. Yeah. And uh, I'm very nervous, but I'm not that nervous because they're pretty bulletproof. But I realized that I was going to do the whole Thanksgiving Thanksgiving and then like the Christmas thing. And I'm like, man, it's not going to be cold enough. Like what I'm going to do is I'm going to basically just kill their heat for I'm going to slowly kill their heat. Right. And then in my mind, I'm thinking maybe like the last week in December, completely kill the heat because February seems to the past couple of years. February has definitely been our coldest month and then just leave them at I don't want to say room temperature, but leave them at what that room will be, which will probably be in the low 60s and mid 60s and just leave them at that for all of February and then slowly bring it back. And then that way, in like end of March, they're already eaten and they're good to go and try it from there and see what happens. So, plus, it's going to give me a little bit more time to get more food in them, get them a little bigger, get them a little fatter because they're only, I mean, Billy, how old are those snakes? Were they two now? Three? Three? They're at least three. At least four, the yeah. Fuscus? The Fuscus, yeah. No. Yeah. And every, everyone that I show them to, they're like, oh, dude, they're old enough. They're big enough. They're old enough. I'm like, okay, so let's do it. Yeah, you can definitely throw them together. Yeah. So, I just didn't want to quote-unquote cool them down like everyone else in the country is doing their carpets and it not be cold enough and all they're doing is not eating and being annoyed you know what i mean mm-hmm. so at least that's I my mean, you don't have to get them that cold Wait, like I, like I only drop my, i only drop my stuff like to 70 if it gets into the high 60s cool you know okay yeah that, i mean it's food cycling it's, and everything it's yeah they get the cues yeah i mean it, it gets in that room, it probably gets like 69, 70 almost every night just because we keep the, the house cold. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Maybe that'll be enough. You'll See what happens. Out. Hopefully, they won't kill each other. <laughs> I definitely I don't know Hopefully. if I'm going to be doing nearly as many pairings next year. It's still sort of up in the air. I no, me and Chris are planning to do like a Corn Stars episode where we took we do like a live show where we we call it the the twenty twenty three Corn Stars draft. Nice. Where we go over like what we're planning to do, like have pictures of the animals and stuff, and like sort of drag and drop stuff as far as what we plan to do and stuff like that. I don't know when that's happening, but Blood Reds are definitely gonna. I'm gonna try and get those to to happen again. So. All right. Well, I'm only pairing three species this year, so. I'm not like concerned with writing everything out and I see how, you know, Billy and Casey and you guys write it all out and it's 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 in depth, man. <laughs> like I mean, you have to when you have so much so many options, I know. you know, I it's know. tough not to. Yeah. You have so many different directions you can go, especially with the corns and stuff. Like low mounts yeah. are definitely going to happen again. Um I think that wild caught male bears from Chris, I'm going to give him a shot again cuz he was clueless this year. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. How many pairings did you do this year, Clay? Well, last season. Yeah, I, I went really um, – I slowed things down a lot on purpose and focused more on um, improving my enclosures. So I had two jungle pairings. One worked out, one didn't. And the one that did work out 
really was a surprise for me, honestly. I, for a minute, I thought I was going to get completely skunked. And um, uh, I ended up getting some jungles that I'm excited about. I was able to breed. I have a, um, a Nick Mutton female. Um, we call her Tampa because she's the big prototypical jungle, wild-looking jungle. And, um, yeah, so those babies, they're looking great. I think I've sold one or two at this point, and I haven't. I need to go on Morph Market and take the one that's on there down right now because I already sold that one. That was the last snake I sold, actually, and I need to update pictures and, and get some of those up. But those are going to be some real pretty snakes. Uh, Tampa's got a fat head. So, but yeah. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I mainly spent almost all of my time on enclosures. And um, this season, um, I hopefully I'll get my ass kicked. So that's the goal. So I have a lot planned for this season. Last season, I planned almost nothing and was just kind of just seeing what would happen. Um, I, I have my diamond enclosures now. They're converted over to bioactive. Uh, and the jungles, I have not done anything with. I have all the tools for it. Um, extra vents. I'm going to have to add extra vents and everything because I don't want the community getting too crazy in there and um um but that's gonna be work i have a huge box of leaves you can get a big box of um what, what are the leaves you put in there they're oak magnolia or, yeah 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 so oak leaves but i have this massive box i got from texas for like 100 bucks and it's just sitting in the garage ready to go and all the uh, the coconut fiber um, cubes and everything the bricks i, I have it's all ready and i have isopods breeding in my laundry room boxes of them that I, I feed once a week. So that's great. Yeah. man. That's I'm, great. I'm ready, I'm ready to convert them. But then now I'm, I'm, I don't think, I don't, I don't think I'm going to do that kind of conversion right before uh, cooling though. So I may, I may hold on it before I do it, but um, I, it's, yeah, that would be a good idea. Cause then once I have eggs, that's when I can convert these over. So I should time out right. Nice. You have That's any awesome. plans to try maternal incubation? Mm-hmm. I don't right now. So like I don't right now. I don't ever have plans for that. But <laughs> I, like like when I think about it, like I don't I, I, I don't know. It would be one of those fun things when I'm bored. <laughs> That's cool though, man. That's cool. Billy's a bad influence. I will. I will stress out. I'll just sit there. Yeah. I will. I will somehow figure out a way to screw it up. So right now, it makes you you realize that these eggs and stuff aren't as fragile, and everything has to be down to the tenth degree as you think. You know, once you actually go through the process and you see what the mom actually does and the swings that the eggs actually go through, it's uh. It's really eye-opening. It's a really cool experience. And Sean asked, what other python slash boas would you get into besides green trees? So I had thought about white lips, but um, I am thinking more about blackheads right now, but I need to know, Billy and I talked about it, Tinley, but I would need to know exactly what is involved in optimal care for those snakes and 
if it meant like, can I put them in one of my current snake rooms or would I need to have a separate room? Mm -hmm. And then how large are the enclosures need to be? Um, Hashtag so, yes, yes. <laughs> I'll, I'll check with uh, Jason, but yeah. But th that's kind of what I'm thinking about though, is um, blackheads. Um, and that's if I was breeding, because I would probably want to get, you know, maybe like a trio eventually. Um, as far as a fun snake that I've thought about that for just pure fun, um, maybe the, um, this is the mangrove cat snakes, you know, yeah. what I'm talking about the melanota those because I think I could do like a one single stand up enclosure, kind of like I have in when you walk in my house with like the waterfall thing, I could probably put something together and as a piece of furniture or something and have it in there. And it's just what I haven't, I've done a little bit of research, but I, I would just need to know how to take, uh, well, what do they eat basically? What's going to be involved in this? Cause I think I've heard that they might even, you know, eat lizards and stuff or something. Oh yeah. 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 Birds and rodents from my experience. Okay. Yeah. I mean, once you get them on anything, you, you can fit yeah. around. Yeah. Once you get them onto birds and rodents, it's smooth sailing. It's, it's, getting them to that point because most of them are wild caught imports and a lot of times even if i've had like a five foot snake or four foot snake that was an import and looks like a bag of bag of ass <laughs> every boyga loves a little basket full of live fuzzies you know what i mean so if it's something that they have to that they don't have to fight for and they could just scarf it down real quick that's a great way to just to get them onto rodents in, in that regard. And then like over the years, I mean, just tong feeding chicks and mice and whatever else. Quail eggs. Yeah. Cyania loves quail eggs. <clears throat> yeah. Cyania, uh, Cynodon loves <laughs> giant eggs, <laughs> whole chicken, large white. <laughs> so, I mean, I do have to applaud clay on his ability to stay hyper-focused on what he's like working with oh yeah i don't know how you go to daytona and tinley and not see so much stuff and be like yeah it's, it's it's okay it's not it's not jungles it's not this other it's not carpets yeah i really like carpets it's hard not to man that's cool man that's cool that you got uh, an idea of some future non-morelia stuff i like it I'm I'm really eager to see these bioactive enclosures, man. You know, because not many people do a large snake like a python bioactive. You know, you think about the amount of isopods and you know springtails you're going to need to really keep it going. Obviously, you're not going to leave giant turds in there, but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm eager to see how it comes out, man. I'm rooting for you. I had just set them up. Um, I think when when um around the time of Daytona and I wasn't sure how they're going to work out. So I've been watching and at this point they're that those enclosures are doing really good. The, the, the snake room almost never smells like snake shit. Like, you know, um, and yeah, if there's you know, big turds, or whatever, I'll grab those. But other than that, the maintenance on those enclosures, the maintenance mostly is instead of now scrubbing and cleaning, it's um, you know spraying for a humid spot for the isopods, and um, I'll throw in a little extra food for them. So I'm really trying to get them um, still established the communities, and um, 
but yeah, I'm, I'm seeing that almost all of the enclosures have um, the, the isopods um, building up. So my life has gotten easier. My diamond room is easier to take care of now. Now nice. I didn't do, I mean, I'm, I did, um, you know, maybe like it's probably about three inch substrate. So I don't have a drainage layer. I'm not dumping water in there because I don't want a lot of humidity. But um, but it's isopods. I did put the springtails in there. I have um, cork flats that I spray under, and then I'll, I'll lift up the, the cork rounds and just spray a little under there too. Um, and then the leaf litter. Nice. So far, so good. The ex it's an experiment, and um, it's doing well so far. My they're easier to take care of. Bottom line. Yeah. My jungles, I, he in the ass because I have white cages, so I have to go in there and spray mm -hmm. and, and debate on whether or not there's a, it's really stained. Do I need to put move the snake and bleach it or not? Because yeah, so. I, I have old school white visions, and uh, they are they're they yellow with age. You know, they they just yellow. They get gross. And Mister Clean Magic Eraser with just some Chlorhex. Those things will are amazing. Literally take off stain. So I don't know how they have, do it. I don't know how they magic. do it. You know, it, 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 it literally is magic eraser. So I, I, what I do is I don't use the whole one because they get kind of pricey. You're going through a lot of them. But I'll take one eraser and I'll rip it in thirds. <clears throat> and I'll just kind of roll it up in my hand because once it gets wet, it kind of scrunches up. And I'll just elbow grease hit a spot, you know, or a streak or whatever. And it, it, it keeps that white cage or those white cages fairly white to the best of its ability. So definitely check that out. Yeah, and I I think that your your isopods with pythons, your bioactivity with pythons, is very morale boosting for me because I kind of gave up on it on a lot of snakes just because it just wasn't doing what I wanted it to do. And then you know Henry does it with all the king cobras and stuff, and dude, he never gets white fuzz mold. He never has funky smells, and I'm playing with some more fossorial stuff with leaf litter and I'm I'm gonna have to do it. I gotta do it, you know. Have you thought about uh God forbid, I'm not gonna say the M word, but the little black dots that tend to move. Have you thought about how you're gonna work with that in bioactivity? Make sure I've they don't have a really good. Like I've done really good at um avoiding that don't, yeah don't say it don't don't jinx it so um i've done pretty good with it so i think that the avoiding them just avoiding that is 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 yeah. key so yeah I, I get it i get it i just recently got predatory ones and they seem to have worked um i'm not gonna hold my breath i'm actually gonna order more this week just to continue dousing things um but I am curious is because the, the the ones that I'm buying, they're actually off Amazon. Um, it's this company in California that has like a mix and it actually has like three or four different species in there. And I wonder if they're going to go after things like springtails or not. I don't quite know, um, but I'll definitely test it on a, a couple smaller enclosures to see, God forbid. And uh, I'm, I'm interested, man. Definitely want to keep me posted on that. Uh, it's super fascinating. Yeah, Billy asked a good question too. How do you combat the straight up destruction on plants? My enclosures have one or two plants max and they're potted. So bioactive in quotations, 
Uh, it's not full on. Again, no drainage layer. No, the plants are in pots, and I water. I, I water the plants in those. Um, sometimes the snakes are rough um, on the plants, and I'm using like pothos. Just yeah, something that's that's unkillable. It basically, yeah. And if it and if it does die, well, I have more. But the biggest thing, actually, the story there was how much work I had to put into um, the plants. So you know how we quarantine our snakes and and that sort of thing. Oh, look at that. <laughs> um, you know how we, we we all the work that we put into um, quarantining snakes. Well, the plants basically ended up taking them out, and um, I probably I probably would did overkill with it. But I literally took them out of the soil they were in from Home Depot, washed them, yep. put them in fresh soil. The fresh soil had some sort of like a pesticide thing mixed in and then i oh i sprayed the the roots and sprayed the 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 leaves and everything with whatever the um there's a, a certain chemical you put on it to kill like um you know the majority of your average pests and um i think there's something called me mealy mealy bugs or something um you could see mm -hmm. those um you can't see them when you buy the plant from home depot or lowe's or whatever but then you know a couple months later at home you see them but then, um, yeah, and then two weeks later, sprayed them out the outside of them again in the soil again, and I haven't had any problems at all. So those are things that I'm concerned with. But just because if you get some sort of like a, not for the snakes, but if you get something um, growing or some sort of a pest on one of the plants, it's going to be in all of your plants eventually in the room. And um, yeah. so I put a lot of front-end effort there. Yeah, I do the same thing. Rinse them off, get all the the soil that they came in on gone, and then put them in something, you know, topsoil mixed with some other stuff to keep it, give it some nutrients. I just want to comment that Randy, our beloved conjure keeper of the West, just says that you know more naturalistic. That's how he keeps it, and I want to say that's not fair because yours don't go anywhere. Yours just stay on the branch. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually not true so funny story um the other night i felt like playing with the bairds so i took a bairds out one of the male conjures kind of cruising around so i opened the tub let him kind of come out if he wanted to he didn't put the bairds back put the, the thing back on the shelf went to bed completely forgot to close that tub Oh, so I came in the next morning and the tub was open. I'm like, oh, shit. And Classic Smitty. <laughs> fortunately, chondros are very easy Great. to find when they're out because they are like never on the ground. And so, of course, right behind my door, I had my camera tripod and that was like all extended and he was just chilling on that. So. <sighs> Smitty's free reign chondros. <laughs> yeah. I was like, damn it. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> yeah, I don't put plants in pots with my condors now. They just have I just have pothos growing in the water bowls. And then if they end up pulling it out, I just pop it back in. Herp and Smitty's house. <laughs> Damn it. I wasn't I wasn't even gonna tell anybody, but I just thought it was funny because condors don't go anywhere. They surely do. He had a nice little <laughs> night out. Didn't knock anything off the, the shelves or anything, so I'm happy there. He just one boy was just curled up chilling on the uh, on the tripod, like it was a branch. Oh. 
Um, Sean asked about your experience with Timors or Lesser Sundas. Thank you. Thank you. Lesser Sundas. <laughs> Smitty digs his own hole. I do. So the uh, the Timors, I um, they were kind of. I guess I how long did I have them, Billy? Six months, maybe. About yeah. Yeah. So I sold them. Um, I think that after a while, I just realized that um, I don't know. I I didn't really like keeping them. Uh, you know, to to simplify it, I hardly ever saw them. And then when I did, whenever I picked them up, they um, defecated all over me and all over everything. And, and, you know, I'm, I really am a biosecurity freak and they're a nightmare for that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, because there's just feces and, you know, urates everywhere. So, yeah, um, I don't know. Um, I think I, I think I, I thought they were going to be more rewarding to keep than they were. And I compare them and the investment in them also. I compare that that investment. I could put that money in other things and did. So, put it back into uh, my jungles and diamonds. Yeah, but they were clay's thorn scrubs. Hmm? What's that? So they were clay's thorn scrubs. I I tried it and uh, yeah I uh, yeah. Not well, you want me. some thorn scrubs? Um, I don't thorn know. Probably rat? not. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got two left. Well, for the few weeks that I had Lesser Sundas, they were a pleasure to work with. That's because you only had them for a few weeks. They they never it was, a, it was a short visit. It wasn't they, an extended day. What was it, Brian? About almost three months, Billy, right? It was maybe it was two a months. Couple months. Yeah. Yeah, and you you were stressed the whole time. Dude, I kept those things next to my bed. I, I kept them next to my bed. I checked them. I temp gunned them more than anything else in the collection. And uh, uh, they ate. They didn't poop on me, but they pooped in the tubs. Life was grand. They, they sat there and posed for photos. They were adorable. That must be a nice change of pace. Yeah, right? They're, they're definitely not for everybody. But uh, like I, I have the three now. And they're my male is awesome. He's like the best python you can have. Uh, my bigger female, she's not bad. She's just a little flighty, and she'll you know sling your eights everywhere. And then my little female is terrible. She's <laughs> <laughs> like she honestly, I gotta open the tub up with a hook now because she's got like every time I crack the tub open, she'll nail me. So she's always <laughs> ready to go. And then if you touch her, she just you know, releases everything. Uh, <laughs> but it's one of those things like, you know, especially hearing us talk about them. And if you dig into them deep enough and find, you know, the little bit of info that's out there, which isn't easy to find, uh, kind of have an idea of what you're getting into. And it's just like a lot of the, the lesser kept species. Um, it's not always because they're super rare it's because enough people have kept them and they're just not for them yeah you know and it's was... like i'll i'll put up with that for them but i wouldn't keep scrubs because there's you know just my experiences with scrubs and you know the stuff i know about them but there's people that would say you know 
sundas are terrible, but would love a whole room of scrubs. You know, everybody has their own threshold for species that they like more than others. Uh, so it's just, it's one of those things you really don't know until you have them in hand and yeah, mm-hmm. if you want to put up with it pretty much. Yeah, I was waiting for you to break my stones about how they were only like six months old and that's why. <laughs> Honestly, I think there's something to that too. I think they're a lot easier yeah. going as hatchlings and as they get, oh, yeah. they get older and... Uh, Their hatred grows with them. Yeah, well, I mean, that's why too, like me and Clay have two different ideologies and how we were going to keep them. Uh, I went into it knowing I was going to rack them and, you know, basically keep them warm, keep them secure, feed them a whole bunch. And Clay's more into the uh, display. I want to interact with them, see them out, all that. And, uh, you know, it just didn't work out for Clay and what, you know, he wants out of a species. And, you know, they work good in my setup and how I do things. So I agree. Yeah. Is how it works for me to do it for me to do it right it would have required a lot more investment with the way that i would have would want to do it i could kind of envision what i was going to need and there was going to be a lot of time and um just a lot of resources put into doing that in a way that i would find it meaningful um and it just i think my larger female yeah she started to she started to come after me also. So yeah, I was just like, all right, this is all right. I'm done. <laughs> I am done. So, Billy you know, just loves stuff. That's, that's angry. Yeah. I have a lot of snappy species, but I also, I very rarely get bit because I've, you know, once you're around them enough and you start learning the different species and all that, you, you can read them pretty good. And I've also, I don't work the colubrid stuff usually at the same time as the the bows and pythons kind of gets me in a different mindset and uh i know i got to be a little quicker with the colubrid stuff (laughs) yeah sean wants to know why the lesser cinders are so expensive it's just supply and demand i mean before we said anything about them today if i would have posted a if I would have showed everybody a picture of one of them, the whole chat would have went crazy, <laughs> you know, like, Oh my gosh, one day, you know, all that stuff. And then, yeah. Yeah. You know, then we're honest about them. And it's like, well, wait, why, why are they so pricey? You know, why are scrubs so pricey? I, I don't mean to hate on scrubs, but they're, yeah, they're, yeah. uh, they're terrible animals. They're, <laughs> they're, just, they're Let me he, tell you. You'd see besides that tannin bar that Smitty had, that was the exception yeah. somehow. That was the exception. Uh, it wasn't though. It was small in size. Tr- like the trinket too. Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about Dude, that the thing trinket. Is so, that's like this the easiest going Colignathus I have is that trinket. It wasn't when so I had it. I swear. Oh man. Well, well, I think it's funny is is that Doctor Wyman's daughter, who I'm pretty sure is like sixteen or seventeen just reaches in, takes them out, plays with them. Meanwhile, Smitty's getting bit and pooped on. <laughs> I never yeah, let right. him get me. I never let him get a hold on me. <laughs> Smitty had on like the Came very close. Like a well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's got on like the, the, the bike suit from the canine unit. <laughs> you forget how <laughs> how far their reach is until they come like whizzing by your face. I literally would let it wrap around my bicep and up on my shoulder while I clean the cage. And you it put just it in, sat you there. had it in the fridge or something. Uh, liar. Uh, 
There must be something about your setup that just pisses these snakes off. Smith. Maybe. It must be. It's probably because it couldn't roam free. <laughs> That's probably a good thing I don't keep venomous. Probably. Yeah, I didn't have any issues then. That was before I got someone put some voodoo curse on me or something. No, I think it's it's also mental, man. It's that, you know, there's, I don't want to say a false sense of security, but you know that, God forbid, it gets out. Like, it's not that big a deal. While it's something venomous, it does not get out, period. You know? So. The door sweep helps. The door, the door sweep helps door, a ton. The shims help. The closing of the cage helps. I don't have to use the shims anymore because I got rid of the damn rack that I was needing the shims for in the first place. Dude, I use the shims on racks that don't need shims. It's just an extra procedure. And I know that if I have the shim halfway out, I got to go back in there to clean a water bowl or to take a prey item out that didn't get eaten. Or if I put it sideways, I know that I got to like change substrate. Like I have my own little mental code about it. I just but, use binder clips for that. Yeah. it's Okay. So you use binder clips for the same thing. But when I use the shims, it's a guaranteed note that it's secured. And I can literally go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Nine. And I can go down and I can look. And if there's a shim in every one, we're gravy. Clay, do you use a, like a labeling system or like I use the um, the binder clips and the little tags and stuff? Do you use anything like that with your stuff or no? Mm-mm. Not really. I mean, I have um, for the babies, I, I, I use P-Touch. That's about it right now. Yeah, I was going to ask, Clay, do you use any kind of like a QR code app or anything for keeping records? I tried. I really did. I The one, the popular one, Reptiscan, I think it is, something like that. And um, it was not intuitive enough. It felt like more work fighting with the app. So yeah. I actually have on my phone, I have like Google Drive where I have an Excel spreadsheet and I just update my spreadsheet and that's a lot easier. I've tried a handful of different apps. I just I always end up just scribbling down on index cards or something. Yeah, those those okay. cards that we made a few years back. Mm-hmm. Those, I still use those cards, man. Those cards are awesome. Yeah, I just I don't know what it is. Like, there's something. It just seems like to open the app, scroll through, find the animal, find the section for the information I want to put in. It's like I could have just done it in five seconds on a note card. You know, I keep pens all over the room for a reason. Yeah. So. Clay, how I've big tried them. What's that? How big is your collection? I think I have, um, not including the babies, probably about 25 snakes. It's between 20, probably 22 and 25. So I have eight adult, like breeding size, jungles, three... Those are in the AP enclosures. I have three and some two by twos in my closet. And those are like some of the higher end ones. And then I have, um, so eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. Oh, okay. Then I have the babies now that I just picked up. So the, the MIA, the German. Yeah. So well, it's between 20 and 25. I love how he, he goes through the room in his mind like we all do. It's great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's good. It's good. 
I'm trying to, I'm at a point now where I feel like I need to add four more enclosures to my jungles. Um, my diamonds, I don't plan on, I have nine, I have nine spots and they're not all, they're not all being used. So I have like bioactive, my version of bioactive, uh, empty enclosures right now with isopods establishing and everything, but no snake and I'm ready. It's um, great, bro. It's freaking so great. I mean, the diamonds, I'm probably going to try to keep it a max at like nine. And then if I have a hold back that I'm keeping, then I'll eventually trade out, you know, a snake. Um, and that's uh, the jungles I'm trying to do that with, but I have so many projects with the jungles. Now if I'm going to go with like the MIAs. And now I may need another three or four enclosures. So I'm trying to figure out where I'll have room in there. I, I can make room in there, but, and then of course, if I stick with the same look, then I'm going to be waiting a year uh, for my AP ones, the AP enclosures to come. So that's know. why you just so. hit up these folks right here, right there. Shameless plug. Do they, does Black Box do the sliding glass? Yes, they do. Yes, they do. I'll have to look at them. With an adequate substrate dam that is completely independent of its own track. So there's no vision lip and you've got ample room to pack the dirt in and there's little like side panels so that when you go to close the door, unless you physically put dirt on there, there's no way for the dirt to spill out the sides of it, which is a huge annoyance of mine. So, And if you use the code THN at checkout, you get a discount on your order. And if you're like me and require certain enclosures to be locked, they have a fantastic locking mechanism for their sliders that is not attached to the glass like a uh, like a display cage for this display lock from a jeweler or something it's not a jewelry display lock it's a cylinder lock that goes into the enclosure and the key pulls the core of the lock out and it's retained on the key so you can't lock it without putting that exact key back in which i think is brilliant absolutely brilliant especially for someone like me that's only unlocking one cage at a time it, it really does add to the repetition and making sure that all your ducks in a row so there's no escapes or accidents or anything. Love it. Blackboxcages.com Their stuff is top-notch. <sighs> um, Sean had another question about diamonds. He asked if you feed them strictly rodents. Do you change up any of your, your diet for anything you got? You throw in some anything else other than rodents? Um, I have quail that sometimes I'll throw in there. Um, and then I'm not hesitant to give them like, you know, um, chickens or whatever. But I'm a little more hesitant now with some of my jungles, the younger ones. I'm not really diversifying things that have been burned a little bit with that. Uh, so... Um, but with the adults on the, the diamonds, they're pretty much garbage disposals, but mostly frozen rats, Al almost, almost exclusively. Again, I, I did quail for a while and I don't know, I, I was doing it more consistently, like every fourth meal and now I'm not doing that anymore. So. Yeah, it was just it was just kind of weird. Like they didn't always take the quail 
So, yeah. Yeah, I've got okay. some that'll only take rodents too. That's it's just an individual thing. So what do you mean you've been burned before by some of the smaller jungles with diversifying food? Oh, so, you know, you give them, if I, if I have like a, um, you know, quail or chicks or whatever, then um, like I have one right now um, that um, I, I have food on the counter up there. There's, so there's a, there's a rat pup and there's a, um, a quail, a day old quail right next to it, thawing together on the counter right now, because that's going to, that's the one where I'm going to have to wash that and, um, put it in with the quail in a baggie and warm them up together. And, uh, and that's how it's going to eat. Otherwise it does not, it does not eat. It yeah, wants sure. something that's stinted with quail period. Are you drop feeding? Or are you tong feeding or what? Um, yeah, I'm tong feeding. Have you tried taking some of the like chick down or feathers and putting in the rats, the dead rat's mouth? Mm -mm. Give them a mohawk. Yeah. So like what I've done is, when I get to your point, like where you're like putting them together to get the scent right, I'll take some feathers and stuff feathers in the dead rat's mouth, hold the rat with the tongs by the nape. So it could like kind of like how a mother picks up a puppy, you know, and then just put it right in front of the snake's face. So the first thing that it's getting is those the smell of those feathers with the smell of the rat and then whammo. That would be easier. Billy, have you ever done that? I haven't done that, no. I've got so many that it's not a... If I have to scent stuff, I have something that'll take down the quail or chick or whatever. It's, I don't... Uh, yeah, it's not a, a big deal. I've got so much stuff here that it's... If I got a scent, I can scent, and it's, it's good to go. But I can try that. I mean, I got some stuff I need to get going, so... Yeah, that's what I do I for... That's what I do for, for lizard eaters as well, is I'll take lizard shed from either geckos or from some of the cordillas that i keep and i'll take the lizard shed and i'll roll it up kind of like a little cigarette and i'll stuff that in the rat's mouth as well and that way it's got some lizard scent to the front of the rat's face and usually it works and it looks like it's smoking and it looks like it's having a cigarette actually that's how i got the telescopus to eat I didn't even try to feed them anything else. I just it immediately went to lizard shed in a, a frozen thawed pinky's mouth. And I got it to bite. And then when it realized that it wasn't a lizard, it, it let go. So then I waited a week. And the next week, I rolled the pinky in a lizard shed, like little burrito. And it wound up eating the pinky and leaving the skin. And then from that point on, it just ate pinkies. Hmm. Awesome. Well, we well, are at the witching hour. Yeah. Is there anything else we wanted to cover? They were pretty good, man. Clay, anything? Billy, anything? No, I think we hit some good stuff and got some really good insight. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Cool. Clay, where can people follow you? Tampasnakes.com is our website. Um, Thankfully, if you just search for Tampa Snakes, it'll probably pull up our Facebook, our web, website, everything, so it makes it easy. Um, clay at TampaSnakes.com is the email. Uh, Facebook Messenger works, too. Instagram. Cool. Yeah. Good stuff. Billy? 
Uh, Uobami Reptiles, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, it's UobamiReptiles.com. Uh, yeah, the usual. I think everybody <laughs> already knows where to find me at this They point. should know by now. <laughs> they should yeah. know by now, right? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Good stuff, um, boys. Good stuff. Yeah. We want to talk about the Nephirus baby real quick. We do. I have pictures that need to be shown. It's like, I so, will show you one album. <laughs> no, I didn't go crazy. I had to stop myself because <laughs> I'm like doing this photo shoot with this baby that's literally hours old. And I'm like, what am I doing? This thing is freaking the hell out. I got to set it up, you know? So uh, <laughs> for those of you who are, have not listened to a couple previous episodes of our lovely show, I had one nephrosynchus egg this year and at the 55 56 day mark i um i was like man let me candle it because i've been burned in the past with you know dud eggs that were so encrusted it gilded with with sand that you you physically couldn't see if there's anything in there and i was like let me candle it again i candled it and it looked like there was nothing in there and uh thank god that chris panshob and Kevin Barron both yelled at me in a loving way and said, don't cut it. Don't touch it. Leave it alone. It's not a snake. Let it do its thing. And it exactly at 72 days, this little booger, uh, where is this? I'm happy to listen very, to me. They look yeah, very right? phallic at that age. <laughs> so, at 72 days, this little nugget popped out. How freaking cute is that little baby gecko? It's crazy that it can even fit in the egg. That was the one thing about crested that always blew my mind is like, how did that, how, how did they fit in those things? It's well, wild. And here's the crazy part is that it had to have, like, I woke up for work. I got dressed. I went to work. I was going to check the egg. I was like, nah, I'll check it when I get home. And it had to have hatched during the middle of the day because there was a slime trail <laughs> coming out of the egg to where the gecko was sitting. And what's crazy is this photo specifically, you see there's no pip. The mm -hmm. pip was on the underside of the egg. So it pipped out the bottom. And I, I never rolled the huh. egg. You know, I did. Obviously, I didn't mark it, but. I never rolled it. I never moved it. I never switched which cubby it was in. It literally pipped out the bottom. And um, let me see. And it, that's it. It maintained its exact shape. It's perfect shape. Wow. And upon me, like, opening it a little bit with my finger, because it's so fragile at this point, it basically was like, uh, it almost felt like a Fabergé egg. Like, there's this hollow, little leathery, hollow shell. And there was very little moisture in there. So I don't know if when the gecko came out, it, it squirted some of the albumin or whatever out of there, or if it just used it all up. I mean, you can see he's got a chubby little butt and you know thick little little midriff. It's a perfect little gecko. So how awesome. freaking cute is that? How freaking cute is that? Look at that little guy. Look at that little guy or girl. Who knows? And this is my uh, this is my first. I mean, I don't want to call it aberrant. But this is my first synctus with a broken line. So, and both mom and dad had perfect five bands. So, we'll see what happens. Do they I go actually, through a color change 
Yeah, yeah. Like more uh, pattern develops over time. No, not not the pattern. The pattern will stay exactly the same. But what will happen is this this pinkish color, this like mm-hmm. let me like that pink color there will turn more into like a burnt orange. Yeah, yeah. Which is actually kind of why I did the uh, the logo for the Instagram with the with the Amy Eye and the continent of Australia. Why I wanted to mm-hmm. go that burnt orange color. Um, and it's also difficult because the sand that I use is red. I'm sure it's dyed. So the adults have more of a red complexion. But when I spray them down with water, you can see it's it has that burnt orange color to it. And then those bands, those will get jet black. So Nice. That's yeah, cool. guys, That's awesome, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked. I actually, I got four uh, pinhead crickets to try and feed it tonight. So as soon as I hang up with you guys, it's feeding time. We'll see what she does. Thanks. I'm still convinced these that cave geckos cool. just don't eat. Really? You don't those ever are, see them are, hunt? I No, I never see them out. But I'm usually asleep when they are. So. Well, I mean, is there dead crickets in there? I mean, their stuff goes missing, but I never actually see it go missing. Like, it just... Oh, okay. I get proof of life, and that's... Other than that, I mean, they look fine, but... I texted Chris. I was like, dude, I don't know if I'm keeping these right. Like, I can't tell if they're eating. He's like, no, they are. They they, they don't eat much and not often. So if they're still kicking. They're fine. I was like, okay. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. yeah and cool. uh, Anna Maria named the baby Blumpkin. So you put that on her? A, it was her idea. <laughs> <laughs> it was her idea. <laughs> Okay. It was. Sure, sure, Phil. Sure. <laughs> little, little baby blumpkin. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, this show was brought to you by blackboxcages.com. Check them out, Facebook and Instagram as well. Uh, hit us up. You need a cage, need a rack. You buy a rack, you want to know when you're going to get it or what the status is of it. You can message us directly and guess what? We'll tell you within a very short period of time you'll get a response which is like unheard of in the caging industry quite so check that out and then Puget Sound Pythons the wonderful people in the PNW the uh, tag team of Jeff and Kendra the dynamic duo that's right they got puppies too were those theirs I don't, I don't know. They had them. I don't know. There was just, they were they just adorable. posted a, a picture of a bunch puppies. of puppies. You know, so. yeah. Um, yeah, we'll be back for THP on Thursday and Corn Stars is coming up here again soon. Got to talk to Chris about that. Uh, other than that, we will catch everybody Contracast? later. Contracast? Yeah, I've been... We're, Contracast. We're, we're talking about it. Just got to... I got to figure out when I can fit it in. The annual episodes coming up. Yep, it's, it's good. almost Christmas, which means it's time for one. So, I like it. I do too. It's good stuff. Just a bunch of green snakes with Santa hats, covered in blood. Oh God! <laughs> Merry Christmas, you filthy animals! <laughs> Everyone, have a good evening. Bye. Bye.